You're listening to the Disaster Party Podcast. Welcome to the Disaster Party Podcast. Um, today on the show, I'm really excited. We got um, a good friend of mine that I haven't seen in like forever. And I actually just found out that he moved to Oregon. So he's not even in California anymore. But this is Estelan, fantastic keyboardist uh, from bands you might have heard, uh, Mata Mosca. Um, from the ska scene and I at least I know like I've seen like you guys play like before I met you actually at I think at ska wars I I saw you guys um I believe I I went to go see because I knew this band called Captain Smooth Talk and actually that was the band I went for and then I saw Mata Mosca and La Resistencia and like don't ask me what year this was <laughs> this was a long time ago but I, I don't know. Like, when did you join the band? Man, I, I joined the group uh, 2010. And I, I remember Captain Smooth Talk. I, I seen the name and I'm just like, wow, that's actually like, it was a unique name. So like that, that one is that, you know, one of those bands that have those names that you'll remember. Yeah, those guys are from Apple Valley. And I seen them at the CIA in North Hollywood. And I, when I saw them, it was because I was like, at the time I was playing in like a punk band and, uh, we're playing like we're playing like backyard shows and stuff a lot of them and like east la and stuff and i was more in the valley though at least with like the punk scene that that my band was a part of at the time and uh playing you know playing with them and stuff it's weird like the valley had like a really kind of like their whole scene was only in that part of the valley like they didn't really go outside of LA you know I mean they didn't go outside of the valley they just kind of stuck within there and and but I saw Captain Smooth talk and that was like the first band that I saw that was not part of that scene and uh from then you know I started going to other shows and stuff and um you know I was always back and forth from the valley to to East LA like big portion of my life like my dad lived in Montebello and uh, my mom lived in Burbank so I was always back and forth and but I just like the the shows and and East LA better. It's just more a lot more lit. And there's yeah, no, no cops. definitely. Fucking the, the the shows in East LA. Like, I mean, growing growing up as a kid, I I lived I lived in East LA most of my life till mm-hmm. till I was like, uh, twenty, twenty, and then I and now my and then we moved to Montebello and I lived in Montebello for, um, I don't know, like four or five more years. Then I moved out, got married, then moved in the valley. And then I lived in the Valley for like two years and then moved to Oregon. That was like the final frontier. Yeah. And this, uh, but growing up, growing, growing up in, in, in East LA, going to like the East LA punk shows and, and all that, you kind of get to see like, like there's like a, a really raw, raw kind of, uh, kind of like aesthetic with, with like, you know, going there, like, you know, the minute you go there, someone charges you like three bucks at the door. I can remember, you know, it's been a long time since shows happened, but what I remember is going to the door saying three bucks for the door and someone says, you know, two for two, uh, two for five and the guy taking it, you're going in there, it's either going to be really, really packed and you're going to run into like a bunch of people, you know, and there's people already like on the floor, passed out drunk by the time you get there, or there's already like people like just, you know, all, you know, taking drugs mm. or something on the side, but it's always just super packed or it's going to be just like, Oh, empty show and it's just like one band playing and everyone's just kind of like chilling in the corners kind of like it's like prom night you know yeah <laughs> I, I, it's just kind of like a real raw feel to the whole thing in in becker shows in east la yeah definitely i remember do you remember a band called einstein yeah actually I, my I had, I had a friend that played in einstein um uh his name was carlos and we used to call him the devil i don't i don't know why <laughs> I I remember like I met him and he was a cool guy, a cool guy with like you know like long hair that I had. Yeah. And he always had his face covered and he was a sick bassist and he played with a friend of mine, Aaron, and they had like a rock band. Mm. And then their their rock band their rock band broke up, but then he played with Einstein. And I remember like I met him and he's all like, Yeah, my name's Carlos, and then my homie Juan, he's he's still one of my best friends that we talk, but he goes, Yeah, man, we could call him the devil. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Why are you calling the devil for? He's all, just fucking call the devil, bro. And I'm like, all right, whatever. <laughs> no, it was this one time I was in high school still. And uh, we went to this backyard show. And there was, 
I remember Einstein definitely played and then like aggravated approach, I believe that's what they're called. And, uh, and I forgot the other names of the bands that played that night, but I remember aggravated approach and I remember Einstein and when Einstein played the, I think it was the singer that he had like a leather jacket with these patches on each side, like of each shoulder. And he would light those, those patches. So they would like, you know, kind of set on fire. Whoa. <laughs> and I don't know if he, that was a thing he did all the time or that was, but that day he did it. And after that, I was like, damn, I got to start doing this. Like, <laughs> you know, like I got to start playing these shows and stuff. So that's when I was like, really got heavily invested in trying to get like a band together. I didn't end up playing shows out there until way after high school, but it was like, you know, that was definitely like what's kind of set it off for me is like, I want to get into this scene and stuff. And then, you know, later on, I um, I think when I met you, that's when I was like getting into, you know, playing backyards and stuff. And um, I met you through Gil, right? Yep. Yeah. So that's when Gil's in Black Beacon Sound and uh, I was in Pedestrian Strike at the time. <laughs> And we just started playing shows all all the time together and stuff. And uh, yeah, I, I don't exactly remember how I met you. I just remember I went to your house for some reason. I think we jammed. You know what? I think it's because okay, I if I can recall, it was it was jamming, and I think I was playing drums at the time. You were playing drums? Because I was playing because because me and Gil because me Gil and my brother Miguel and, and Juan. Um, we're jamming. We're trying to do like like a like a jam project, mm-hmm. and I remember we just kept inviting people. I don't know if we invited you. Yeah, I played bass one time. I gotta I gotta remember. It's, it's been a minute. It is it, it for sure. Like these encounters are one of those stories where just like we just we just met. You know, we just kind of know each other. Yeah, music and met through some good people. But <laughs> I, I remember like I remember like there was a point when me and Gil were trying to make a project happen, and it mm-hmm. was before he got really busy with engineering. Mm-hmm. That this uh. We were trying to do like a like a psychedelic jam thing, and I kind of just wanted to keep playing drums because I was playing drums for like an indie band with Juan, and the the indie band kind of just kind of dissipated, and then and so half the members went their way. Me and Juan kind of chilled out. And we were like, well, we we want to keep doing what we're doing, yeah. so we invited Gil, and we told Gil like, hey, this this you know this band broke up, so we we kind of just want to find people to jam with, and Gil was just kind of down to come and hang out. We were jamming at my house. I remember we'll cause a, a a ruckus it will, it will cause like so much so much noise because it was just like small apartments and we'll like like soundproof one wall was like my bed you know yeah. we, we had we had like a bed bug issue so we had to get rid of all the frames so all we had oh, was damn. just like all we had was just plastic bags of of mattress mm. and i would use one of the matches as like a soundproofer and we'll still get complaints that we're too loud and what's, what's going on and we can't play live music yeah yeah, that sucks. yeah, I remember, I remember um, that apartment complex. It was like, I'm trying to think of the street. Was that the one in Montebello? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I went around Greenwood. Yeah, okay, I remember that. I remember um, we didn't. I don't think I don't remember you playing drums. <laughs> Maybe you weren't playing drums because it would have been too loud. But yeah, I think we were just like in your room jamming and stuff, and. Um, there was another time where I, I didn't play. I just came to hang out or whatever. But I think you guys were playing in some sort of like reggae project or something. And I, it was a different house. But uh, I don't know. <laughs> we're just talking about we're just talking about distant memories from years ago. So yeah, <laughs> it's hard point, to at this point, it's a blur. Like I, it's all a mesh blur only because I remember during that point too, I was working like a shitty job. I was going mm-hmm. through a lot myself. And then I probably just started dating my wife at the time. Yeah. So all that kind of just like just kind of mans into one thing, and sometimes I'm just like, when did I meet half these people? Like I'm just trying to remember, you know, just it's just the things about life where you know them and you're glad you know them, but you just don't know how you met them. Yeah, definitely. Well, congratulations on getting married. You just did that recently, or? Nah, dude. I got married. What? I got. I was 25. Shit. So it's been a while. Yeah, three years, almost four years. It's gonna be four years this year. Oh damn! Well, shows how long it's been since we talked, huh? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, I think there was a point where, especially when I moved to the valley, where I just kind of like flew, flew, like flew off the face of the earth, especially during college. 
because I was yeah. in college too, and I was like really, really heavy into my studies. Mm-hmm. I was more into like the whole like I want to graduate ASAP, so no, I kind of yeah. just had to like jump off the face of the earth. It, it, it was up to a point where like at gigs it'd be like get home, well yeah, get home, wash, you know, uh, oh sorry, like the order would be like wake up, get ready for school, go to school, and then from school go to rehearsal, rehearsal, go home, go to sleep, and then go to work at three in the morning, mm-hmm. get off at eleven a.m., go home knock out for a little bit, go to school, and so on and so forth. It was just like, it was just routine and I didn't get to see many people, but it paid off at the end because I got to graduate and and I did it like still like doing what I ha- would like doing. I, I, I didn't like it whatsoever. I was like not always tired. But yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, you know, it's, um, that was a really important part of your life to do that and stuff and, you know, brought you to where you're at now and stuff and, um, you know, you're, out in Oregon now, which I'm sure is is really nice. It's a lot cheaper than in California too, which is nice. And it's, uh, uh, it's it's chill, you know. Uh, I was planning to to come to come to Oregon long time ago, like mm-hmm. maybe like two years ago. Me and my wife, me and my wife decided I'm going to Oregon just because I graduated college at the time, and then there's like nothing going on, so we were just like, oh, let's just move, you know. Like if if I had to play a show, like I, I could fly over or whatever. Um, and then I ended up playing a little bit with Rancid and this band called The Interrupters. And oh, sure. uh, yeah, I, was, I played with them for a little bit and that kind of like kept me in LA. And then, you know, that kind of came and went. And then after that, I was like, all right, well, I'm gonna look for a reason to stay here. And I couldn't, at the end of the day, I couldn't find one. And then COVID hit and, you're, and I'm just like, all right, well, I'm just gonna leave. So I just left. Yeah, that was a good time to do it. I mean, after, after COVID hit, it was, you know, I was before that I was playing, you know, about four shows a week and and uh, I was hosting events and, and uh, you know, doing all that stuff. And then once COVID hit, it was like, oh, same, 100% same. It, I had to pick up like full time at my work, <laughs> you know. Seriously, I, I, I it, it was weird to say it, but, you know, it was at the at the point where I was just to my job. If you need me extra days, I'm down. Just letting you know, just give me extra days. I don't want to be home. I don't want to do anything yeah. like I just want to. Get my get my mind off of this, and hopefully COVID kind of just blows over, and I can just go back to my life. Yeah. But I heard things are going okay. I mean, I heard that that they're now letting like indoor shows happen at like April twenty fifth or something like that. April fifteenth, they're actually opening up venues again. That's crazy. I'm pretty sure most venues are still gonna most venues are still gonna not open up because it's a liability. Like yeah, if they, if they catch if somebody catches COVID, then the whole venue becomes a liability. I feel like things will be more comfortable in June because they were talking about, and who knows where these studies come from, but according to some study, there's there's a study that by June, 80% of LA should be vaccinated, which if that's true, then, you know, things will be a lot more calmed down, hopefully by then, and, you know, there'll be more shows, and uh, I mean, there's already some shows happening and stuff. It's a little sketch. There's, it, it's, um, there's some live like outdoor kind of shows where it's just people walking by, which that's not so bad and stuff because it's just people walking by, you know, maybe throwing money in a tip jar or something. And um, like there's this one thing in Venice Beach going on called a music box where this guy pulls up with like a with a trailer and on his trailer he has like a little box stage and uh, he has like a generator and everything where he sets up so you can like bands can hook up and it's like right on the pier of venice well not the pier but like you know the walking area and stuff and uh he has he has bands playing for that and i i went to one of them because i i managed uh, a band that i got them i got them on that and stuff and you know thinking it wasn't going to be much of a you know much of a crowd and it's socially distant and stuff everyone's wearing a mask and stuff so you know i thought it was uh thought it was cool but even then it was still like uh, there's more people here than i thought and i had to like even me like just being having been around that for over a year and stuff like it was like i got like social anxiety just with oh people. no definitely dude. and i think nowadays we're like conditioned it's like a social cue you know we're conditioned to feel weird about being in big crowds it's yeah. like we we've uh we've been in this situation in this strenuous situation for so long it's kind of like um you know when you're like 
you know your mom's gonna you know as a kid give you pop out you know yeah and and if you do something bad it's so imagine like just like constant stress of fearing of getting sick that like any sight of like like interpersonal contact with no protection is like whoa like whoa whoa yeah. he's about to hit me no <laughs> just hesitant shake hands and stuff yeah, just like, yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> over. like you know one day hopefully we say that the COVID's over we're, we're good okay you know for a second there i just had ptsd there's definitely yeah. going to be accounts of ptsd of people that probably lost family in covid and they're going to be like traumatic about the idea of ever wanting to be outside without a mask because you know they lost somebody they love to it yeah there's a lot of uh <clears throat> what's the word for agoraphobia agoraphobia is something that's been um it's been a it's been a problem like now that things are kind of getting back to normal and like those kind of you know those restaurants opening up again and stuff like that there's a lot of people that are just afraid to leave their house now and uh i um i, I agree with like a lot of like of how things happen and stuff about as, as far as like you know shutting down things for people's safety and stuff but i feel like there wasn't enough information put out to really explain to people like what was going on and things that you can do to better like you know look out for your health and stuff during this time and like there was enough education on you know how to handle the situation i feel like that's why there's such confusion and such division of people that are just like completely like against masks completely against you know think that like covid is just like a fake thing from like the russians or something and then no, it's, it's funny because there's like there's like uh there's a lot of things that could actually accumulate uh, uh, accumulate all that paranoia and fear for it and i was talking to like one of my friends about it mm-hmm. and it was because like i did like a post like not so long ago on uh, on facebook and this particular post attracted a lot of negative and positive attention a lot of negative too but the negative stuff was just like, you know, like, like you're a farce, you know, like you're a joke. Yada, yada. Basically, the post saying that I was pretty disappointed that 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 LA is throwing shows again, it's a pandemic, and 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 it's not encouraged to throw a show, especially when it comes to like something about my scene, because I feel like I, I I pay really close attention to my scene and the demographics and how my scene works and moves, and I feel that my scene is right now it's dying. You know, there's a lot of bands that are not going to come back. When the, when the pandemic's over, you know that especially bands that are older, it's 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 sad to say, but you know a bunch of them are not gonna survive. Maybe some of them were just they just don't want to play again because that's a fear, or maybe that they just kind of got over it. This is kind of like a sign for them to just call it a day because some of these people are old, you know, like Vienna Stressa, like those people are like in their forties, you know. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, like those bands, it, it like it. It's not gonna come back, and it's gonna greatly affect the scene in the way that fans are not gonna come back to. It's gonna cut our crowd in half. Mm. It's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna affect, um, you know, like artistic support. It's gonna, it's gonna affect a bunch of things. Um, and I feel that these people that are, they're just being so selfish, they just want to make a quick dollar off shows right now, take advantage of the situation. No one, there's no competition. Because yeah. there is no competition. You know, this yeah, um, they just want to take advantage of the fact. At the expense of people's safety and peace of mind, that they're they're gonna put people in danger and maybe elongate the process of throwing shows again. Yeah, yeah, it's um, that's why it's it's always a touchy, it's always a touchy subject and stuff, especially like, um, for some people, I mean, because you have like the side of people that are just like, this is their living, this is how they make a living, and that's this is it for them and stuff, and then you know then there's the people that are not necessarily doing this for a living but are just kind of just want to just want to party i mean you got that crowd too right or it's just like people that are just not taking it seriously and uh and still like go out and you still like i mean because you see a lot of that too just people like on instagram and facebook and stuff they're like posting and they're like at parties of like a whole bunch of people like no masks and like i see yeah, like, i i just feel like those people like here's my thing and it's not it, and it's hopefully like nothing too crazy to say but it's one of those like um so to say but 
I'm sorry. I'm just like trying to get out of my thoughts. I've been up. All, I've been up. I've been up pretty early in the morning, so I'm just like, oh shit. <laughs> You know, I think if, if people are gonna are gonna do that knowingly that there's a pandemic and they're gonna get sick, there's no reason for me to really feel sorry for you. And if they say, "Oh, I feel sick," and I'm just like, "You should have known about this. You should have known about the precautions. You should have known about the CDC regulations." Yeah. Um, it was funny because I think recently, like, somebody made a, made a meme about me because out of that post saying that it's hypocritical of me to talk about no shows going on when I through like a live concert event, not like a live concert event, but like a, a online streaming live concert, event. kind of like a few, you know what I mean? Like a yeah. concert. And I was, and I was around a bunch of bands for a very short period of time, of time recording all of them, but we were mm-hmm. in one room recording them. And it wasn't like all that one time. It was like one man's going to come this day, one man's going to come this day, one man's going to come this day, so on and so on and so on for a very short period of time, just a very con- consolidated block of, of recording basically. Mm-hmm. And I did that all free of my expense and, and all the money I made out of that from donations, I would donate to the ACLU for, cause you know, the whole black lives matter thing going on to yeah. already contribute. And I felt like my music scene could have been part of the con- contribution of what's going on right now with the whole, you know, George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and yeah. you know, all that you kind of want to be a positive force, but Definitely. somebody made a, made a meme about it, but they, they put this person that I, I don't know who it is, but this person made a joke about it, doesn't understand the context that, I said I I would be I would stay up late at night sanitizing and recleaning up my room, and trying to stay as far away as possible from everybody. And if somebody felt sick, I tell them, to, "Well, don't come in, or let's just cancel you guys." And whenever you guys feel ready, come back and do something else. Mm. Like I was pretty ahead of time, but these people are just trying to skewer the narration to the point where it's like, "Well, I'm not one to pass judgment upon people," which so I'm not deserving of telling people that they that they shouldn't throw shows. And I'm just like, "Dude, like, doesn't make you. It doesn't make you." The person who's throwing the stone any better or any more legitimate to throw shows the point yeah. is just don't throw shows dude just just hold on tight like, you know you have people here have no self-control they should just relax and that's why i mean there is like there is live stream like events going on right now there is different avenues that people are taking and stuff which you know is a which is it which is a good thing and like I fr- you know when it first started the quality like uh, because I I mean I was playing in bands throughout like throughout COVID and stuff and doing like live streams and all that and you know the first one I did was very like the quality was bad and stuff and it was still trying to figure it out and uh learning it's a learning curve I mean I I, mm-hmm. I, I know people that are like sorry to interrupt you yeah you're good go for it yeah, it's a learning curve because I, I like I was just talking to a friend of mine too. Like we were just on WhatsApp, and he was he was explaining like the difficulties he had to go through to, to learn how to use Logic Pro X. And I'm just like, bro, like you're singing every one song. Like I'm pretty sure COVID made engineers out of a majority of musicians because they had to learn how to record themselves. Yeah, and you know that's the thing too. Like you know, like you said about the guy who made the meme and stuff about about you. First of all, I mean, no matter whether it's talking shit or not, it's kind of cool that someone made a meme about you. <laughs> but you know, it's um. But it was, other than it was that, tongue in cheek. It was it was definitely tongue in cheek. At first, I was like, "This is funny." Like I, at first, I was like, "Ha!" Yeah. And then I was like, "Nah!" Like, this is, like it was not cool because like, I was really passionate about the post I did on Facebook about me actually gen- feeling genuine disappointment towards people tr- throwing events, which I I feel like they should just hold on like. It's not me saying, you know, like, like, oh, it's forbidden or it's against the law and I'm going to rat on you. I'm not going to rat on you. By all means, if you want to do something, you do it your own. Yeah. You get sick and, and you're going to you're gonna get other people sick, then don't expect me to feel bad about you. Don't expect other people's pities. You're, you're putting people in danger and you're knowingly doing it, you know? And that's why I'm like, people, especially on social media, are too quick to take a post like that or take something and and make it about themselves because it might be something like they've done or something in the past or you know like if people are too quickly to make the take a post and make it so personal about themselves that rather than just accepting like oh this is an opinion somebody posted i'm going to respect that and then facebook is about but if everybody wants to there's one thing i I always saw too like everybody wants to be the main character of their story and everyone's character you know it's I was talking to one of my friends about it and he's just like, you know what? That's actually really interesting because like you know, people have come up with this idea that the main character never dies. So this person thinks he's going to be untouchable and people are just, they just cut, they kind of like the, the, the supporting characters kind of just come out whenever they have to, you know, mm-hmm. 
if I was the main character, you'd be supporting character, you know, I haven't seen you forever and you came back and then, you know, you get put away for whenever I see you again and that's just part of life. But no, dude, every, everyone's in, in real time, everyone's living individual struggles and you kind of have to learn how to acknowledge the individual struggles. Like I, I struggled a lot with like, at first it was like anxiety because I was, I was losing my gigs left and right. The first couple of months was horrible. It was like, I, I planned the whole tour of Matamoska. It was going to be like all June. It was going to be our first like tour that was more than 10 days. We were doing like three, three and a half weeks full US, like recording an album, getting it released on a good record label. Mm. And then like, poof, like COVID hit. My singer kind of, he's, he's an older guy. So he kind of decided to back off of the recording studio and relax. And like life went on and, 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 you know, at this point, I'm just like, whatever about it. But it was like, it was really, really disappointing. Like everything that I planned for and everything that I set up for, like blew up in my face. And I even like fronted money from my own pocket to like pay for flights to get ready for, for, for a tour and everything. And I'm, I mean, the, the flight, the, the flight companies made it clear that they were not going to give me my refund. So I, guess oh, I never got any of that back. No, no. I, I lost maybe like, like 3k for sure. Oh shit. Yeah. That sucks. And then, yeah, it's, that's why it affected people like, you know, crazy. And I feel like that's why a lot of people are so like, you know, take things like that so personally and stuff because, you know, and like you said, everyone's the main character in this story. And a lot of people that haven't really been affected personally about, you know, by it and you don't necessarily understand what other people's struggles have been and stuff. And, you know, that's, that's why like it's, there's not enough conversation, just normal conversation about it of just like, you know, look, this is why I said this. This is why I think people shouldn't be throwing shows right now. And, you know, then somebody saying, well, this is why I'm doing it. And, you know, this is why people should respect this. And like, there isn't, there isn't enough like conversation like that. It's just a lot of like people, they're quick to snap at, you know, at a, at a post and stuff rather than just take it in you know, it's, um, in a lot of cases, it's, it's, uh, that's kind of one thing about COVID is because there's not like real social interactions going on. A lot of it kind of took to Facebook. So a lot of these like arguments and things that would have been happening in person are happening, you know, on the internet, which, yeah, especially nowadays like i i don't i don't particularly post so much on facebook anymore i all i would do is just all i, all I really do is repost memes yeah and then post like memories that i saw you know like memories is all i got there so yeah i okay. i don't i especially like the last post i did i just told myself maybe it'll be the last time i repost an opinion about that you know this um facebook has became like a constant place for people to have war and even then too like facebook is already kind of waning where like I, I work at a grocery store and, and a lot of my coworkers, now, now my coworkers are, I don't know, 12 years younger than me. And I'm still like boggled about that because I'm, tw- I'm going to be 29 this year. Mm-hmm. So I'm like 12 years younger than me, they're 17. And I'm like, holy shit, dude, these people are 17. Damn. But like, like people and people that are 17 don't care about Facebook. So it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of thinking ahead and I'm going on somewhere else. So lately I've been like, I've been a big tweeter. I'm on Twitter nowadays. I'm just oh, okay. I I I uh I post there like at least you know every other hour because there's always something funny or some kind of weird joke or something I'll just reference back for later, and then Instagram I'll like just post on my stories. I feel like sometimes I saturate my 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 um back then I used to saturate my page too much with a bunch of posts. Yeah. And then I was like, ah, oh, that's too much. So I I just start either archiving if they're good memories I would archive them, but if they're like this bland vanity or something stupid I would just take it off. Because mm. I'm just like, yeah, that's not me anymore. You know, it's it's how I used to think, and I'm just gonna let that go, that, that part of my life go again. Yeah. But it's it's that, and then I used to, I used to be big into Snap, and then I just kind of just stopped using Snapchat. Just Snapchat, I feel like died out really, like like out of nowhere. I mean, it's still. I mean, I know people still use it and stuff, but like, it's literally like I don't post a story on Snapchat anymore. It's literally like. I, it, I'll send it to like a, a set group of friends, you know. It's it's cool. It's it's cool. I like it. I just like to me literally. I, I just I tried clinging onto it, and then it just wouldn't stick to me. So I'll try to like 
post something there and then, then I'll forget about posting something. I'll, I'll forget about being consistent with that. Cause obviously yeah. you being an artist and being, you know, uh, an industry of your own, like you gotta have consistency to keep people knowing what you're doing. Um, but the biggest thing right now, and, and I did it for a little bit and I thought about doing it, but just too, it's too, I feel like it's too much effort. Like I would have to like literally spend an hour or two trying to get it right. It would be like TikTok. TikToks, they're uh, blowing up, they're, they're sick. I can spend like a long time on TikTok. It, and I and I get it. At first, I was like, "No, that's fucking that's that's young kid shit." But <laughs> I say that, and then I grow like a gray hair, and I'm like, "No, nah, fuck that. Let me get it. Let me get with the time." <laughs> but oh, yeah. I see it, and I'm all about it. And then um, I tried doing a couple of them, and they'll take forever. And I'm like, "Man, I feel so ridiculous just trying to get one perfect video." Yeah, I, I do them every once in a while and stuff. And I'm surprised of how many like views and shit that you that sometimes you get on it, and it's just out of nowhere. And it'll be like. You know, like I'll post stuff about my music, get maybe 100, 200 views and stuff. And then I'll post a video of my cat and get like 8,000 views. Yeah. It's, I, I feel like TikTok is a thing for younger kids. Definitely mm. is. Because younger kids just have a little more like their, I feel like their likes are a little more into like, um, oh, the word came in my head and it left. But it's not more for like, it's not more for showing off you can show off it's cool you can teach and it's awesome because it's just like teaching tiktoks that i saw that they teach how to like say something or teach you something cool yeah but it's more it's more de-stress like tiktok is a de-stressor it's like it's like a that you purposely unplug for a certain amount of time of the day and you just see into a window of other people's kind of isms like how they think and how they are and how they're doing and, that's, uh, like, that's kind of the way i see it because like you know, the minute you turn on the, you turn on the app, you're sort of just sucked into this other world of this app, and you're just kind of unplugged from the rest of the world. Yeah, and the algorithm, the way it works, I mean, it works like a lot of other social media, like, I guess where, like, even Facebook, too, where it's like, it just knows exactly what you want to see for some reason, <laughs> like, you well, know. And, and I know when you sign up, it asks you what you like, and I, and I did that, I was very, like, straight up, like, okay, I want, like, art, I want fucking dogs, I want fucking like cool cool no facts like mystery i like punk music i like sky music mm. but even music i'm not big into soul but i like seeing those fun facts because those people are wild but jazz i love all that and so it, my algorithm is like it's gonna be leaning towards more of that and then i know that it diversifies or it starts deviating and making itself a little more unique the more you like like other things like memes or particular kinds of memes or like you know breaking break the technology or whatever you know Mm. like tiktok tiktok's algorithm kind of works like that even even uh instagrams to some point too where i just started liking stuff that like engineers would do because I, I got really big into that there's this page that i follow and I, and I like almost every other thing but it's like how to eq things certain things and it's just it's just a suggestion of how to eq but i i would like take them and screenshot them but i did that so much that literally just like my entire like browsing feed like not my not my pictures but my entire browsing feed would be like Oh, learn how to compress, learn how to do all this. And I'm like, okay, cool. I turned my entire phone into uh, how to be an engineer. Machine. Yeah. That's the beautiful thing about technology right there. You can yeah, just learn Yeah, I feel like it knows me too much. It knows, knows me a little more than my wife does. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Well, we're going to take a little uh, short break right now. We'll be right back. But um, we might play a, a song that you sent me a whole bunch of files and stuff. And with your permission, I'm going to have to ask the band before I do it. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I think I might, you'll be all right. Yeah. I'm, I'll play one of those songs though, but any, anything, um, anything you want me to put in there when, when I edit this all together? Um, I would actually put um, from, from the, the compilation of almost live, put mm. track two. It's Blanco y Negro. That's a good uh, one. It's a good, oh, okay. It's a good yeah, it's a, it's a chill reggae jam. For sure. Well, that's what's coming up next then. Stay tuned. La sospecha Que yo quiero algo contigo, amor 
y que no llegue de sorpresa. Miro cómo actúas cuando escuchas mi voz y no quiero que se escape este momento porque necesito un poco más de tiempo. Decidia por cual no te he dicho esto Pero los nervios me ganan cada momento Yo quisiera amarte como nunca antes Has visto tú Quisiera buscarme Luego encontrarme Sin tu respuesta Hay mis pensamientos a cada momento Interrumpes tú mi cada pensamiento Necesidad por cual no te he dicho esto Pero los nervios me ganan cada momento Yo quisiera amarte Como nunca antes Has visto tú Quisiera Sé que quieres tomar cosas lento Esperemos el momento perfecto wow, Para tú y yo hacer lo nuestro Pero antes de eso yo te prometo Sea quien sea yo a nadie le ruego Sea quien sea yo por nadie me muero Y en este verso yo te confieso Cuando estás lejos de mí Yo solo pienso en ti yeah. Yo quisiera descubrir lo que te hace feliz hey. Yo quisiera amarte Como nunca antes Has visto tú hey. Quisiera So we're back. Um, so I know before before the break, we we're just talking about like, you know, just catching up, I guess, and talking about COVID and everything going on in the world and stuff. But besides that, you've been busy. And, uh, you know, from what you guys just listened to right now, um, that is a part of a project that I believe you released today or are you releasing soon? It dropped today, April 2nd, 2021 on Bandcamp Friday, on Bandcamp.com. Um, so I, I, for, for a while now, I was um, just trying to get the scene involved in some way or another, either mm. recording or doing a live show or something. Like I mentioned earlier, I was doing like a, a streaming online performance, which all, all which it was free. So I would just stream to the public. It was, every, everything I did was labor of love. I mixed, I tracked, I, spent countless hours just trying to get this whole thing organized. It was like 40 bands and I did three events two months apart. And um, and I did that. And so then it's been a year since the first one I did happened. So I was just thinking like, hey, maybe I should maybe I should kind of bring some of that back up but in, in a CD format or in an album format. Cause some actually some of the 
Life performance is actually really, really good. Um, I felt like I mixed it pretty okay. And the performance in itself, like the, the people were just really good or on pocket that day, you know? Yeah. So I was like, cool, I'm gonna make an album out of this. And I asked everyone's permission and they're like, yeah, dude, we're all in for it. And so to juicing it up, you know, with the whole thing that happened with the whole um, stop Asian hate, you know, with Asian in Pacific Islanders. Yeah. I was like, okay, well, at first I was just gonna donate to the ACLU, but I kind of want to like contribute to the cause because it's like, I, I've always had kind of intentions of just kind of involving this music situation with the community because LA is cool, or like the LA sky scene is cool, but as like, you know, quote unquote inclusive as it could be, sometimes we were like, we tend to just shy away from like situations like that. Only because mm. granted like our our rawest underbelly shows tend to, tend to be, you know, not up to public standards but mm-hmm. i know that some of these bands have a good heart and they care about their scene and they care about their city so i know if it's like for a good cause that could take care of their other community and still strengthen our community and in music um i feel like it was just a win-win situation for everybody like hey you're gonna help out you know minorities and you're gonna be playing music and you're gonna be active active even if it's just for a little bit or if, if you care about it or not you know i'm i'm not here trying to make a difference i'm just here trying to trying to you know, make a statement that the scene is here to help people out. And and that was just kind of my thing. Yeah. See, that's what I love about um, the punk scene and like the ska scene. And I mean, I feel like a lot of, a lot of uh, genres of music and different scenes are starting to catch up to that idea now. But I feel like punk was one of the first like scenes that I was a part of that really felt like a community and not like competition everywhere. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, it's, I'm not going to really say like what other scenes that I've been involved with that I felt that way, but like, you know, it, it does happen where it's like, you go to a, you go to a show and a lot of bands have egos and it's like, they don't oh, dude, to I, I was, it, it was, dude, it's, it's, I mean, call it coincidence too, but I was just thinking about this like today at work. I mostly, I was kind of ruining up today. What was, you know, what, what, what this podcast was going to be about, maybe, preparing a couple of things to say, maybe, I don't know, if the, if the, if the subject came up, bring something up. Yeah. But it's like, I feel that the, like the people in the Scott scene are like conditioned or they have a sort of like spoon in their mouth where if they're like given enough opportunities to play these very nice venues with these very, with very good bands, prestigious bands, they kind of just tend to feel entitled or things that, you know, they feel that they're deserved mm. of, of doing. And, and then in contrast, like this, 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 that's just only happening in LA because LA is so spoiled, it's so big, and it kind of just like, it's like a like a like a you know like a like a dryer, you know when a dryer kind of just revolves in it within itself. Yeah. This, I feel like this thing's kind of like a dryer where just, everything just kind of re- revolves around itself and it, itself, and it just keeps kind of cleaning itself up and kind of like, um, what do they call it? envuelve like in spanish is but i'm but in in volarte it's like it keeps kind of just doing that on itself and it's and and it's inside this you know bubble in the, the u.s scotting the u.s scotting it's almost like unity and this band from texas will support this band from florida because this band from florida stands up for the situation going on in new york mm-hmm. and and people get tend to see that online and all of a sudden there's a solidarity take mm-hmm. it's to an extent that's true you know like also also because I just feel that the Scotsman in general needs a lot of a, a lot to work on. Where there's like in the U.S. Uh, there's like a, a, a population, um, a demographic of people that are like MAGA people and anti-vaxxers that listen to Sky and they have this whole thing twisted up. Uh, unfortunately, there's a population like that, but for the most part, everything that's outside of LA supports each other, and everything in LA can, kind of stays in LA. Yeah. So what I'm, I've been trying to do for a very long time is pop that bubble. Since I was like 19, throwing my own shows, mm-hmm. when I could see that there's bands out there that kind of want to come in here and I want to take bands out there, I, I was like, okay, well, how can I do this? And I felt like for a while that um, people were just too spoiled with like these big events from these promoters. And these promoters, some of these promoters are cool. Mm-hmm. Some of them do it, do it for the culture. They do it for the scene. And it's, it's great. But then there's these promoters that kind of just like, it's all about money and money and money and money. And and it blinds bands because at the end of the day, bands just kind of play for a check, yeah. and, it, and it and it doesn't really take them anywhere. Like usually, like my example would be like if my band gets paid, the first thing I'm thinking about is okay, what can I use this money for? Like 
pay for rent maybe or if you know if we got a tour van maybe save for, save for a tour van or tour gas for for merch like it's all that and sometimes it sometimes it goes to to paying out the bands because the bands are the band members deserve it yeah but for the most part like i feel like the band shouldn't be living paycheck by paycheck just stay and sending idly i feel like bands should be able to travel and if la kind of just you know it's a bubble just popped and all these bands took a chance and traveled and rejoiced with the rest of the scene dude it'd be fucking amazing that's just something i've been working on for a long time and been trying to do you know from helping bands go on tour to doing these compilations and trying to get these bands to know each other and in the same time getting bands from out of la or out of california to tour to la and be like hey check out our scene our scene is tight you know that's yeah. it. That, that's the kind of the the inclusivity and and um, compatriotism. I'm trying to get in the scene, but mm-hmm. you're right. Like like the punk scene in itself, only probably probably because it's it is like a very like tight knit family type of aesthetic. Yeah. That that punk people kind of like rejoice over like partying or drinking or you know going to shows together. Uh, like that's cool. But like the ska scene, especially in LA ska, there's there is a competitive mindset and. It's kind of unfortunate because, admittedly, I I did I was in that mindset when I was younger, mm-hmm. where you kind of just tend to see the bigger picture and, and you kind of just figure out like, hey, it's not really about you. Like, if you're really about the movement, it's kind of about the movement in itself. Like, I I love the Scott the LA Scotsing, but the LA Scotsing is just an extension of this bigger Scotsing that I think just sh- should all be all together. You know? Yeah, definitely. And and uh, I mean, I was kind of like that too. You know, for a while where it was just. Not not really feeling competitive, but just feeling so like because I've been ripped off by promoters and I've been like, you know, I've been in the music industry around L.A. for a long time and I was really naive and really nice to people. And, you know, and then later on, you know, you just kind of get like me and you feel like everyone's trying to rip you off. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so. Oh, dude, yeah. I, I I was, there's been a lot of people like that. Like they get, they get really soured up at the experience and it's kind of like. You almost kind of see it like it's like it was like a bad relationship that fucked it up for you, you know? Like, yeah, you had one bad encounter with somebody, and all of a sudden, everyone has to get the shitty end of your stick, yeah. And so, yeah, now, yeah, now I'm realizing that, and especially like the older I get too, like the better I am at just surrounding myself with good people that I know are in it for the same reasons that I am. And like, yeah, obviously, we want to make this a career, we want to make money off of this and stuff, just like anyone else, but we're now we're kind of learning like rather than just you know just thinking that it's only going to be this band that's going to take off it's going to be your music that you're writing that's going to take off and now i'm getting out of that mindset of like okay like you like we said before you know i'm not the star of the show and like it, it, it shouldn't be thought of that way where it could be maybe it's this guy's music that's going to do it and we should all work together to get everyone's you know projects and things out so we can and if something hits something hits and then we can go with that to, to yeah to, i mean to to an extent or almost nine you hit you hit the whole point 90 percent i mean if if because i mean they, to me like one thing I, I don't try doing too is i don't try like feeding ego i used to do that before where i used to be like hey dude like your music is tight like i think you should do all this because at the end of the day they kind of just like starts running their own shit and then they cut they kind of get egotistical usually mm-hmm. like when it comes to like being a community or something we'll be like okay well we're, we'll take this piece at a time like we don't have to it doesn't have to be all your show but i'm gonna put my part into it and then i'm, I'm i want to show you why my part is as important as your part yeah you can write the lyrics you can send the message you know it's cool but i i, I want equal contribution contribution to towards your dream if, if, if it's your dream cool i'm not gonna say you're the shit though because at the end of the day, that's gonna create issues. You're gonna be like, "Yeah, I'm the shit, I'm the guy." And I and and don't get me wrong too. I'm I'm one to couple of people. Where if somebody writes a really good song, I go, "You wrote a really good song. That's tight. It's a really tight song." Yeah. And then and then that's when I'll be like, "Okay, I'm gonna add my thing to it. This is what I hear in your song." And then they're like, "Oh, it's sick." And then like, "Yeah, let's do this vision together." You're you're the guy leading the way, but this is this is not your rodeo. I'm here helping you out. You're like you know, you're the driver and I'm the car. Yeah. I I try to be like that because because I know in the past I used to be like just gassing people up all the time and at the end of the day it was just kind of like it ended up just being someone who's just kind of just full of themselves and i'm like you know what dude whatever it's like there's the last time i help you <laughs> yeah yeah definitely um so starting this uh record label that you started and, and like this this just recent that you started the label or is this something you've had for a while oh, dude, yeah. like i said it, it was like a bubbling thought for like 
it was thought it was a thought since I was like fresh out of high school kind of thing because I'm I've always loved ska music, mm-hmm. and, and and obviously like if you love something enough you want to show it off to the world you know, mm-hmm. and so like I've always kind of been like people need to, need to hear this people need to know that this type of music exists, and to to an extent people in LA know know it and then a lot of people know you kind of realize that everyone knows what ska is, but then you kind of just get to see these kind of like like very subtle veils of what how music in itself moves like bands in OC don't really play with bands in LA and there's a reason why bands in OC don't play with bands in LA and vice versa is because there's differences in culture you know yeah. like in and and I always really wanted to be that kind of guy be like well I kind of want to break those differences like I feel that you know um, I'll name some bands like I feel like Codename Rocky should play in LA with I don't know La Resistencia and I feel like Fata Mosca should play in the doll hut with half past two or you know like bands like that yeah but at the end of the day too like it's kind of what like i could do all i could do all the work and i could raise the all the infrastructure in la and oc in general but at the end of the day it's like there's always going to be a majority crowd outside of la and even outside of california i'm going to say yeah like scott scott in la i know scott in la and i know the interrupters and i know rancid and i know half past two and Bobby bambi and the scapesh mode or whatever the fuck you know like all yeah. the bands yeah and and i'm just like no like you know some of those are oc bands and some of those are la adjacent bands but they're not really la bands like you got to come to la to see it and all like here like esencia or here la manas calavera here the paranoias oh i never heard those bands are they from mexico no we're not from mexico just because we sound spanish doesn't mean that we are from mexico we have we have like latin roots and we embody our mexican roots and we're proud of where we are but one thing we're also proud of is that we're proud from LA and LA in itself is a story of immigrants and multiculturalism and, you know, um, being from two sides of the country, spreading the image through song about revolution and about um, being home and about being with your friends and cultural values and home values. Like where, where people, I feel like where we should be able to represent that and people should be able to catch on to our vibe, but people are always just like, they just shut down whenever they hear something that they heard on the, on the radio but something that was heard through some other fucking, I don't know, dead ass place. I don't even know, man. But you know what? You know what I mean? Like we just we always tend to get overshadowed by these groups, and it's and at at first I used to be like, okay, well, you know what? It, it, they're they're easy listening. I totally understand. But at some point, like you, you kind of have to like call the elephant out of that, call the pink elephant out of the room, and be like, you know what? This might be a race issue. You know, it, yeah. and it might be a potential race issue where people are just not giving it a chance because we're just not speaking their tone you know and i feel that that doesn't give enough justice to to these bands that are also as hardworking, if not more hardworking than all these other bands you know yeah um and so that's kind of that kind of bubbled up and it kind of and they kind of just gave me this idea i was like you know what well i'm gonna do my best and i'm gonna work on um and i'm gonna work on these bands that i feel are deserving of it. And then even then too, like it doesn't, it doesn't have to be bands that I work, record on, but it's, it's these other bands so like La Pobreska, which they have their own kind of thing going on. I kind of want to tap into that and be like, I want to be a medium to distribute that kind of music all over the place through radio, which is the reason I sent you the link and yeah. I asked him hey, to play this or, or just to get us to as many fresh ears as possible that, that don't know what's up about the LA Scassi and how we roll and how we do it. Which, I mean, I'm definitely down the use this you know to use this platform to like start just airing music and like i'm down to even just have like you know a day of just like you know just a segment and whatever like once a week and just put it out in like an episode where it just be like you know just playing ska music and stuff like i'm uh that's i'm definitely open for i'm open for anyone that really wants to send me music and wants to work with me labels or indie labels or anything like that and ska music for me was like um especially like getting into like you know the multi the multi like cultural like ska music and stuff because for me honestly you know i i'm I'm, i was a white guy from the valley and stuff so like you know it wasn't something that i i even heard too much of and it was something that i didn't know existed until i started going to these shows until i you know until i kind of broke the barrier of what the valley is of what of a very kind of just segregated like area of no one leaves no one comes out of it like i didn't know a lot of la until i moved out of until i moved out of the valley and 
once I started living in Montebello and around other places in LA where you can get to downtown, you can get to East LA like really quick. That's when I really started learning about what's really going on with music and what's really going on with, with ska music. And it's not all just rancid. It's not all just like Operation Ivy and, uh, you know, like Streetlight Manifesto and like all these other bands that I was listening to that were like gateways, like kind of like the gateway of getting into what's going on in ska music in LA. And uh, that was some, that's something that is not talked about enough, you know, like there's, there's a huge scene out here and there's something that's getting really looked over because it's not like the numbers or it's not like you guys don't get listeners. It's not like, you know, like yes, it, at the end of the day, it, yeah, like it doesn't matter about the numbers of listeners because, like, I mean, it, it if you want to know cold hard numbers, like you go, I'm sorry to say, but you go to um, Half Past Twos or Mambies or mm-hmm. any other OC Sky band, you can look at their Facebook or you can see uh, you can see their Instagram likes or followers, and then you could go somewhere where like La Resistencia and they have like 10k, you know, yeah. they have they, like the numbers are there, but the respect towards where like uh, why am i not why am i in florida and no one's like mentioning la resistencia yeah. or someone will be like oh I, I know who they are they're from mexico or misrepresenting them you know like i feel that these bands their respect and their name should be given to them i, I feel that it's it's overdue it's nothing it's not fair it, um because a lot of it is also like um it was uh self-inflicted Cause a lot of us didn't tour, you know, cause we all have obligations here at home. I, I totally understand that, but I feel that, I feel like this music deserves to be listened everywhere else. It's just not just LA, you know, LA people we're lucky enough. We get to see them live, but I, I think everyone else should give it a listen and be like, Whoa, this is how it sounds. This is the most craziest shit I ever heard, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I think the first time I realized that there is something you know that there was some sort of there was some sort of discrimination going on in LA with promoters and like you know multicultural you know bands that you know spoke more in one language or you know like bands like that. I realized when I was working with this um, this place in Hollywood, I was working with this venue out there, and I didn't work for the venue, but I was just helping put the show together and getting. I was working with the promoter so to pitch bands to him and they liked my band you know which my band at the time was not it's not like we're big or anything like that we just had a sound we had a you know like I guess like a a friendly kind of alternative rock sound and stuff and like you know we the guy pretty much said you have a you have a sound you have a look this is good for this venue and we're like all right cool we're gonna pitch some other bands and you know we we have friends that are in other bands in like east la and stuff like um you know my my friend miguel is in this band called earringers and i I recorded keys for them oh okay so you know earringers so earringers is fucking insanely talented band right like they as far as that indie alternative sound goes, like they, they're they have that mainstream kind of sound that like should be on the radio and stuff, and like I think feel like them as musicians deserve it more than my band did at the time. So I was like, these guys should be perfect for it. So I sent it to them. The promoter came back to me and said, "No, nah, these guys aren't it. Like find someone else." I'm like, "Why? Like these guys are fucking great. Like, is it?" And he's like, yeah, but it's the look. I'm like, well, what's wrong with the look and stuff? And, you know, and then it, it was, I felt so bad because I had to like, you know, I told Miguel pretty much like, dude, it's, you got this. I'll, I'll let you know, like when, you know, when we can get like set time set up and all that. And then like this pr- promoter pretty much told me I had to tell them no. So like I had to go back, call Miguel and just, I told him straight up, like, you know what, this is what they told me. I'm, I don't know why. And, but I'm sorry. And you know Miguel he understood he he said like oh dude don't worry about it like it's all good and stuff but like the tone in his voice it was like this guy I could tell like he's heard this before and that was like that's when I like realized there's some you know that this discrimination exists that was my first time kind of seeing that in action and stuff and just seeing like 
seeing it in person and stuff was just like you know it, it it just sucked you know just seeing like all these bands get left in the dust and stuff because of the way somebody might view somebody or you know just because this guy comes is older and has um has like in his head what a successful band looks like and you know if the image isn't that then he's not going to book it and stuff and there's a lot of that in la no i, I yeah I, I get that i i definitely know how it feels to be the 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 short brown chubby guy in in a amongst taller lankier um white people for sure yeah yeah figurative and and literally for sure <laughs> i know how it feels and 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 it's crazy because you just kind of stick out like a sore thumb and you kind of you kind of just wonder like well what am i what am what am i even doing here you know, mm-hmm. and and I sometimes you you doubt yourself and you feel like you don't belong, even though sometimes you know you feel like you do, but it just that's the nature of the beast of things. But my my goal is to prove that wrong because one at least at least the, the advantage that I feel that LA has is the fact that LA is based off being culturally different. You know, ninety six percent of the population in Los Angeles are of mixed race or mostly uh, Latino Americans. You know. I don't know if you knew that with 64% of them being undocumented, making mm-hmm. up for making up for at least 86% of all the tax re- revenues of the entire city. So like LA is ran and managed by Latinos and immigrants. It's, it's, you know, that's just how, that's just how things work here. And I feel that if my people, at least in, in the scene, catch on to that, to the fact that we're a majority here and we deserve to be represented. And if anybody wants to come to LA, they should know that LA has these bands and these bands are amazing. Yeah. Then I, I feel like I should be able to try to get this message conveyed to the rest of my scene in the US. Cause some, most people, most, most musicians in the US are open towards these thoughts and ideas of like, yeah, like these bands actually kick ass, but they'll never tour over here. But it's like the fact is like, I don't want, I, like some of these people don't even want to tour. They just want to get heard. Like, you know, pass mm. the word along, you know, spread spread the word. There's, there is solidarity and love in the scene. So that's that's yeah. my two cents about it. And that, that, that's kind of the foundation of my 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 record label. Well, I'm, I'm glad that that you're doing this and stuff. And like, it's, it's um definitely something that I feel like is starting you know like especially with COVID if it's one thing that you know brought if it's one good thing that I feel like is going to come out of all this in music is going to be first of all you got a lot of people that have been home writing music this whole time so you're going to get a lot of good music coming out you're going to get um there's during this time I feel like there's been a lot of um chance to have conversations like tough conversations about you know, about what's going on politically and, you know, in our country and our state and like in California about like, you know, the discrimination that happens around us every day. And like, yeah, it's it's very divided and stuff, but that's kind of what, you know, what these progressive ideas bring out and stuff. And like all this, you know, like when the Capitol got stormed and all that, like all this stuff that's happening is, is coming from just years of not talking about it and years of just letting this happen thinking like this is normal thinking you know going to shows and seeing you know older people pick up on younger girls and stuff and like just seeing that around the scene seeing like racial discrimination seeing you know all the seeing all the stuff that's been happening for years of you know you and me have both you know unfortunately i'm sure been around and stuff that you know, we just kind of thought this is just the way life was and stuff. And now it's coming out as, as like we're talking about it. And it's uh, I feel like a, a new culture is coming out of that. And I feel like music in itself is going to produce a lot of really great things from it. And I feel like because of that, you're I, I see your record label doing some really great things and contributing to that, you know, just idea of just being progressive and moving forward and uh i i see a lot of i see a lot of good things coming from all that so you know i see i would only hope so (laughs) (laughs) but um but hey man um before um before we get going 
Um, so you, I know you got Matamoska going on. Uh, any other projects you're working on that? Like? Oh, dude, I'm like, I'm working so many, so many projects. Um, what what project am I not doing? Um, so Matamoska, we're 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 like gonna come up with it. We did a cover of a rant song for uh, a Gilman compilation, maybe coming out in June. What I heard. Um, Cat Bite, this band from Philadelphia that I recorded with, like pretty consecutively with them throughout the years. They just launched like a, they remade one of the, the first album that was all Scott and Scott, Scott Punk into country as a practical joke. And they just released it today. Uh, I do have the cartel thing that we released. Um, I'm working on video production for this band Trinidad Suave that they also have their EP released under my label for a music video. Um, this band La Muerte that I just recorded them and we just finished their final mixes and I got to do some keys and some dubbing under stuff. This band ONK from South Central, they're they're also just finishing up their stuff and I did like guitars, percussions and some backing vocals on that. Um, and I got to mix that as well. Uh, what else? Uh, I do covers every once in a while. So I'm doing some covers with some friends from like Peru and Venezuela. I'm pretty mm-hmm. connected with some friends in Latin America. Um, shit, man. What else? I got some. I got so much other things, but that's like that's like the tip of the iceberg that I could have top of my head. Well, damn, yeah. dude, if you want, just go ahead and send me all those links. I'll put it in the description of this episode so people can check it out. But um, but guys, this is this is Esteban Flores, and insane, just insane musician. You gotta check him out. Check out Matamoska. Like check out all the other projects that he's working on. So many, too many to name. <laughs> uh, you actually playing keys on one of my band's songs. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. Which one again? Uh, for my band Hybrid Citizen, we had a song called Some Other Day. And uh, and you were you came on a separate day. It was for with Audio Mac with Jonathan. And I think Jonathan called you in and you just came in and like, I wasn't even there. You just listen to the song and we heard it the next day like yep that sounds great <laughs> i i got it I, I, 10 bucks if i hear the song i'll be like oh that's right and then I, i'll say like a whole story about it like yeah me and him had food after that we we're just chilling like <laughs> I, I, know, say- I, know, I know he'll do that once in a while like one one time did he just hit me up out of the blue he's all like hey I look at your email I just send you like a country song can you do it and i'm like yeah for sure and i remember doing that like one of my first covid projects mm. so he'll hit me up randomly for things like that but it's just the, the way the way me and him work. Me and him at this point, because he's my mastering guy. Whenever I mix, we're we're in contact almost every other day. Yeah. Well, no, man. Well, hey, man. Thanks for thanks for coming out. And uh, like I said, let's um let's start getting this uh you know let's start getting this like ska day on uh on the podcast going and. It's me. If you want to just record little segments, send it over to me and stuff. I'm more than happy to air it. So just let me know. All right, man. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys for for inviting me on this. Yeah, man, of course, anytime. All right. All right. Well, this is uh, the Disaster Party Podcast. Thanks for listening. My name is Justin Amon. Thanks for listening to the Disaster Party Podcast. See you next time.